0: God of mercy, you promise never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then, may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. The first reading today is <clears throat> from the book of Psalms, chapter 107, verses 1 through 9, followed by verse 43. That's found on page 548 and 549 in your Pew Bible. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way, until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and the hungry, he fills with good things. Let those who are wise give heed to these things. And consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Our New Testament lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke. It's the 12th chapter, these are verses 13 through 21. So listen now for the word of God to the church on this Lord's Day. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the summer of 1859, a French acrobat by the name of Jean-Francois Gravelet, known in America as one Charles Blondin, stretched a tightrope across Niagara Falls. I've seen that river and those falls, and I can think of few things more terrifying than of being on a tightrope over that churning chasm, but it was his intention to inch over those falls on that tightrope, and as amazed onlookers placed bets on whether he would make it or not, Charles Blondin slowly inched his way over to the Canadian side of the falls. And then, after a 20-minute rest, he threw a camera on his back and headed back over to the American side, pausing in the middle to snap some photographs. As the summer continued, Blondin continued to up the ante on his show that he was doing for everyone. Once he laid down on the cable, flipped himself over, and walked the rest of the way on the tightrope backwards. He walked the tightrope blindfolded. He rode a bicycle across. He pushed a wheelbarrow across. He walked that tightrope on stilts. His most famous exploit was probably when he carried a little stove and some utensils with him on his back, walked to the center of the cable, started a fire, and cooked an omelet. And when it was ready, he lowered that breakfast down to passengers on the deck of the Maid of the Mist that was below him in the cavern below. That show continued throughout the summer to larger and larger and more mesmerized crowds. And one day, after he had already crossed over once, Blondin called out to this gathered crowd, Do you believe that I can carry someone across these falls on my shoulders? And they all yelled back in one enthusiastic voice, Yes, you can do it. Okay, he said, who's coming with me? (laughs) And the crowd was suddenly a lot quieter. No one was willing to go. And then finally, Blondin's manager agreed to be carried across. Maybe he figured he had to do that to keep his famous client. But whatever his motivation, he climbed up, climbed up on Blondin's shoulders, and the two of them inched their way across Niagara Falls. Hundreds had yelled, we believe, we believe, but when it came time to really trust, only one was willing to take ownership, only one was willing to commit totally, only one really believed. Like the story of that man on Blondin's shoulders, this parable of Jesus is ultimately about trust, or more particularly, fear. Fear that is ultimately overcome by trust. At first blush, it strikes us as a story of a very wise businessman. He's clearly a successful farmer, his fields are yielding abundantly, and the need for more warehouse space seems like a pretty good problem to have if you're a farmer. I will build larger barns, he says. I will invest capital in this enterprise. I will store up all my grain and my goods. And then, and only then, will my soul be at rest. Then, and only then, will I be able to relax. Then, and only then, will my soul be able to experience joy and experience peace. It was as if his whole life had been put on hold his happiness conditioned upon an initial job of building up an insurance policy of material protection we may think it's good business but god obviously thinks otherwise in fact god calls this rich man a fool hoarding is a term we have come to know pretty well in our culture we tune into TLC to watch Hoarding Buried Alive so we can gawk at the absurdity. But if we are honest about it, most of us have to admit that we, too, do some hoarding of our own. Many of us, for example, have secured storage units so we can warehouse our extra stuff. I'm not throwing stones on this one. The key to my storage unit is right outside in the car. (laughs) We get them, you know, for all kinds of reasons, to hold all kinds of things. Kids' artwork. That's, let's face it, will never hang in the Louvre, right? (laughs) Old photographs. Furniture that we don't have a place for right now. Clothes that we may or may not ever wear again. And it's not all bad. We could use some of that stuff in our storage units but i will say that my sense is that the very core of it at the bottom of this storage unit explosion is just a little bit of fear we hold on to a piece of nostalgia because we fear that if we throw it out we might lose something precious a precious memory We keep old tools because a specific project might come up and we fear we might really need that particular tool someday. We fear that we might not have enough. For the most severe hoarders, powerfully negative feelings wrap them up when they talk about letting things go or giving things up. Feelings like guilt and anger and certainly fear. People can also hoard power, especially when they are fearful. That seems to be happening an awful lot these days. People in our society who are used to having power are becoming fearful, and their fear is pushing them to take drastic action to hold on to whatever power they can. Later this month, the community of churches and organizations and concerned individuals will hold a series of events in Charlottesville, Virginia, to remember the life of Heather Heyer, who was murdered by an avowed white supremacist two years ago. Their goal, as they describe it, is, and I quote, "...to bring light to places where darkness attempted to prevail." that group has recently learned that a number of white supremacist groups are preparing once again to confront this peaceful remembrance with armed demonstrations of hateful power again most of this anger seems to be about fear fear that lives in those groups fear that they are losing the upper hand politically and culturally and socially Fear that as our nation becomes more diverse and as white folks lose their majority status, that their preferential status will be somehow at risk. And these fears have led inevitably to a hoarding mentality that seems bent on holding on to certain perceived advantages no matter what the cost. And regrettably, white Christian America is pretty deeply entwined with this hoarding of power. One spokesman for a white nationalist group was recently photographed wearing a t-shirt. It read, Believer. He died for me. I live for him. John 3.16. And that same day, that person posted on social media that the people protesting his white supremacist values, quote, Need to be put in their graves. That kind of hypocrisy seems to come from a place of deep fear and a determination to hoard power and store it up for oneself. I wrote those words on Friday. Little did I know that just 24 hours later, a young person filled with hate would enter a Walmart. (laughs) in El Paso, Texas, with his assault rifle. His sick manifesto said that he was acting in response to what he called the Hispanic invasion of Texas. He was defending his country, he said, against cultural and ethnic replacement. Fear and anger and the desire to hold grimly onto false perceptions of power has once again spilled over into terrible and indefensible violence that has nothing to do with the church of Jesus Christ. Into the darkness of this broken philosophy, Jesus shines the light of a humble, more holy alternative, Don't hoard, share. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, he says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. Possessions are not the only thing that can be stolen. Things are not the only thing that can corrode. Sharing, Jesus says, is where the joy is. How many times have we heard someone who has spent time in the poorest places on earth speak about people they met in those places? I'm sure the Lamb uh, folks can tell us some of these stories How many times have you heard someone say that the poorest people on earth in terms of money also seem to be the richest people on earth in terms of joy and peace? Many of you have seen it. I have seen it. I've sat around a plastic table on a dirt floor in a hut made of corrugated tin, while a family of very humble means served us a sumptuous feast of chicken and rice and fruit juices, and that family could have easily decided that they should hold on to that food. I wouldn't have blamed them a bit. They could have figured they don't need it. They already have so much. We have so little. But instead of hoarding those blessings for themselves, they decided to share them freely and joyfully. And when they did, the windows of heaven opened around that table and the kingdom of God appeared in that room. It's not a theory. It's a fact. Hoarding of all kinds is an impulse that runs counter to the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. But the impulse to think of others first, to share what we have in Christ's name, that taps into deep wells of blessings that emanate from the power and righteousness of God. Years ago, there was a man who worked his whole life as the handyman of a fancy hotel in Manhattan. He never married So fixing problems at any hour of the night in the hotel was really no trouble for him. When something broke, he always came right to the rescue with a wrench in his hand and a smile on his face. The job did not pay well, and he barely made enough to get by, even with the free room that he was given down in the basement. And as he neared retirement, he had very, very little in terms of savings, as guests in the hotel came and went, he would often overhear their conversations about trips and vacations that they had taken. Of all the places he heard about, he was most taken with the Caribbean. If an employee of the hotel got to know him well enough, he, if he felt comfortable enough with that person, he would likely tell them about his dream of someday taking a cruise to those peaceful islands. He could imagine the warmth of the sun on his face, the smell of the ocean breeze, the boiling shrimp, and the feeling of fine white sand between his toes. For someone who spent most of his days in dark, damp places in the basement of a building, it all sounded like heaven. On the 50th anniversary of his employment with the hotel, all the managers and employees got together and they... got up a collection to give him a very special gift they bought him a ticket on a luxury cruise line the ship would leave from new york it would travel through the western caribbean for two whole weeks and with great anticipation the man went out and bought himself a cardboard suitcase and he packed just a few changes of clothes he figured he would wash the clothes and that would be enough And the rest of the suitcase was filled with very inexpensive packets of cheese and crackers. He figured that's all he could afford. On board the ship, everything was just as beautiful as he thought it would be. But when mealtimes came, the man just watched as all the other passengers filed into the huge, elegant dining room. He knew he could not afford the prices in there. So he would go back to his cabin and he would eat his humble meal of cheese and crackers. As he walked down the steps down to his stateroom, he could smell the wonderful aromas coming out of the kitchen. And then after the meals, he could see the looks on the people's faces as they came out and rubbed their bellies with satisfaction. And he heard all their descriptions of the sumptuous feast that they had enjoyed. And as the ship gently rocked him to sleep, he would dream of that food that was being served up in the ship's restaurant. The last night of the cruise came, they would be back in New York City in the morning. As he looked down into his suitcase, he saw that there was one cheese cracker packet remaining. And the man just decided he might as well splurge. He would get at least one good meal in that dining room. So he walked timidly through the big gold doors. He gave his name to the steward who showed him to his assigned seat. He spent a few minutes just staring at the fancy place setting and the chandeliers and the crystal stemware. Eventually, he got up the courage to actually pick up the menu. He had been avoiding it. And right about that time, the waiter arrived. What can I get you this evening, sir, the waiter asked. The man didn't know what to say. He looked up with embarrassment. I don't know what to tell you, he said. This menu doesn't have any prices on it. I need to know how much everything costs before I tell you what I'm going to get. But sir, the waiter answered, don't you know that all of your meals are included in the price of your ticket? Everything on that menu has already been paid for. Life in Christ is not a tightrope walk, even though that is the way we sometimes think about it. Life in Christ is much safer than that. It is much more joyful than that. It is much more secure than that. But it is a life that is based upon a premise that we are called to share freely the many blessings that we have the promise Jesus offers is this do not worry saying what will we eat what will we drink what will we wear your heavenly father knows that you need these things but strive first for the kingdom of god and its righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well the problem is that fear can still hold us back. Fear keeps us from fully accepting the generosity of God. Fear prevents us from understanding that we are safe with God. Fear pushes us to build bigger and bigger barns on the false assumption that if we can just build up a big enough cushion of stuff, that we might finally be able to relax and start living. Fear pushes us to hoard things, things like money, power, influence, you name it. Fear pushes us to hoard things in ways that are foolish and dangerous. For some reason, we continue to convince ourselves that it is still up to us to build our own houses in the kingdom of God. But Jesus says, don't make that mistake. The table is already set for you. So don't worry about filling up barns. Don't settle for cheese and crackers when a heavenly banquet of joy is right there waiting for you. Don't think about the chasm below you. It is an illusion. Climb onto the shoulders of Jesus and his righteousness. There is no safer place.
0: Thanks be to God.